Good morning. First of all, I want to say that I am thankful and blessed to have gotten this opportunity <clears throat> to go on this trip to Lesotho, Africa. As some of you know, uh, I could, I know, Jake, I know, could talk about this for around two years, like without stopping. So we only got 30 minutes or so. So if you, uh, if you want to find us one day and uh, just grab us and say, hey, a little bit more detail. We'll, uh, we'll tell you all you want to know, but make sure you got enough time because we got a lot of information to tell you. But um, after several years of planning to go to Lesotho, um, several years ago, um, each year something has come up and sort of say knocked me out of not going on this trip. But after I got back, well, actually during this trip, um, I realized, I truly believe that God was telling, him, telling me to wait till his time and not my time. Um, I wanted to go so bad for so long, and it just kept going and kept going. I think Jake's got a similar story to that, and it just, one thing after another. Uh, something came up, COVID came up, it just knocked us out. And I'm like, man, am I ever going to get to go on this trip? But finally, God planned it in his own time. And, and I'm very grateful and very thankful because if I have gotten to go on any other trip in the previous years, I wouldn't have been there to be a part of the, the Basutu conference that were there, um, which had many of the Basutu people, Basutu believers, um, along with their pastors from their churches, uh, along with several other U.S. churches that was there uh, with us, and several many different uh, missionaries that was there that put on this conference and that talked to us about making disciples and about their people. Um, it was a wonderful, wonderful blessing. Um, God is working in Lesotho, Africa, and he's working with Stan and Angie Burleson. Those two are the foreign missionaries that are working in Lesotho um, as well. Now, there are several other ones. Uh, Jake and Ginger Goss and Ginger or, uh, and uh, Timber, their daughter, uh, but they're in Masero. Um, but in Lesotho, it's Stan and Angie Burleson. But of course, one of the reasons um, for going on this trip was for me to go over there and help teach the children. I mean, I teach them here, right? So why not go over there and help them uh, learn about Jesus and learn about what Jesus can do for their life? And, and let me tell you, some of them have never heard the word Jesus and never owned a Bible, never heard anything about church or anything. So why not go over there and share the gospel with Jesus? I mean, or with them about Jesus. We're, we're commanded to go. Um, and we're commanded to, we're commanded to go all throughout everywhere. But for the first Sunday, the first Sunday we were there, I think we got there, Jake, I can't remember, was it Friday I think we got there Friday, kind of played around a little bit, kind of walked the villages, but Sunday was our very first worship service. We traveled to, uh, from our guest house, I think it's about a 45-minute drive, uh, up there to a village called Hamakia, and that's where we had worship service for the first time. Um, let me tell you, it was a worship service that I've never seen before. Um, nothing Nothing like our services. Um, not saying our service is bad, but it was very enjoyable. 
Very, uh, it was a good experience to hear them. It was wonderful to be there with the Basutu people, with our translators, as they sang, as they danced, and even played the whistles, and even screaming and yelling at times. Um, it was kind of odd, but it was very, very good to hear. Um, but before the service, before we went into the church service, um, outside we gathered around, and I played with the kids, um, and played with them some games, and I gathered them up underneath a shade tree, and I taught them a Bible lesson. I taught them about the paralytic or paralyzed man from Mark chapter 2. And we also played several games that went along with um, the game, or went, went along with the lessons. Um, that Sunday, I had about 25 to 30 kids. Um, if you want to pick up slide number one, please. That's me in the middle with that funny-looking hat. But this was the, this was the children that showed up uh, the first Sunday morning. Uh, there's about 25, 26 in that slide. Um, if you see off to the right, I kind of cut off some people. There were some people or some kids underneath the tree hanging out, so I really didn't get a chance to get them. So there's over 25, 30 kids there um, that morning. Let me tell you, that was an awesome group of kids. Um, they sit there, and they listened, and they soaked up everything that I had to tell them and had to show them. Look, I, I was a stranger. I was a white man from America. I mean, we stick out like a sore thumb over there. So they're like, who is this guy, right? But they knew that I was over there telling them about Jesus, sharing my story and sharing uh, things for them. And they sat there, and they listened, and which sometimes I usually don't get that. I don't get uh, all the kids at once sitting there staring back at me and soaking up. Um, so it was kind of a different challenge for me. I was like, hey, that's kind of cool. But they, they were like sponges. They just soaked up everything that I saw, and they, they catch on quickly. They memorize stuff, and um, it was just awesome for that. So that was uh, the first Sunday uh, that we were there. Day one to four, that's Monday through Thursday, um, of that following week was our conference that we had. Uh, it was called Making Disciples by Living the Father's Heart. Um, it was in the same village that we were staying in, and that name was Jehovah. Uh, now, it's not, you think it's maybe H? Let me spell this out for you. K-H-O, K-H-O-B-A, okay? It's not Jehovah, it's Jehovah or something like that. Now, they have a... They have a little thing that they do that, that makes you, like, spit. And, and I can't do I can't do that, right? But uh, Jake and Ginger's Goss's little daughter, Timber, she was helping me out with the kids. And I, I couldn't pronounce some of them. And I said, Timber, how do you say this? And she said, look, you just got to spit. You just got to do it. I mean, you, I'm like, I can't do that. But anyway, it was called Jehovah. And in this conference, we were taught by many different missionaries, many different missionaries from uh, locals on the task of going out and making disciples. We were teaching them how to learn the gospel and then go out and share their story and share the gospel with someone else. And then they would go out and share their story and gospel. It's just a domino effect. That's how you make disciples is going out and sharing the gospel. Also, we were taught on how to plant healthy churches and how to train up leaders among the Basutu people. Um, 
everyone there. It was a great experience, a great conference. Um, all, the, all the Basutu believers and the people there were very attentive. Uh, there was nothing disruptive. They were, like, just like the kids, they were soaking every information that we had to give them. Um, Jake, Walter, and Mary Norville, and myself sat at a table in this conference with two ladies from Hamakia and another lady from another village, and our translator was sitting next to us named Tabiso. Um, if you pull up slide, oh, sorry, I missed the slide. Can you go to number two, Vicky? This was some games that I played. Uh, this is a parachute, a humongous parachute. You can't see it, but it's a big old smiley face in the middle. And there's a ball, and there's people around it. So we're in the mountains. So this parachute, being a bright yellow, you could see this for miles, miles and miles and miles. And then the kids would just come in droves to play these games or to hear the Bible stories. Um, but there was even kids coming after we stopped Bible study, after we stopped playing, because they saw the parachute from way off. It was really cool. Okay, now you can go to number three. This was uh, the conference. Um, you might not be able to see it because it's kind of taken from far uh, distance, but you see the big white tent and the stakes around it. Uh, this was all the people sitting at the table. We were kind of crammed in there a little bit, but um, if you, if you kind of look in the middle of that picture, you, uh, uh, if you look very closely, I don't know if you can see it or not, I, I can't see it, but somewhere in the middle is Jake, myself, um, Walter and Mary Norville, uh, Tabiso, and the three ladies from the villages. Um, we were pretty close together, so it was kind of crammed in there, but it was, it was a great experience. It was a great conference. I learned so much in that conference. Um, I kind of went over there. I, I didn't have this expectation. I was like, well, okay, I'm not going to learn anything. I'm, I'm not going to know what people are saying, what people are uh, speaking about, but the missionaries broke it down very good and very uh, easy for us to know and for them to know. And it was great, and I learned so much with the Basutu people and even ways here that we can minister to our church and to people here in our town. Um, it's very similar. Um, I, didn't load a, I didn't load a slide or a picture for this one, but I want to talk to you briefly about an uh, uh, experience, an event that we had. Um, it was our last Saturday. You know, The conference was Monday through Thursday, we had Friday, and then Saturday came, and I, I believe it was Friday. Um, we had a meeting. It was pretty, uh, pretty cool. We had a meeting with uh, town councilmen or council ladies, and uh, we were talking about different things. And um, long story short, we got invited to this village called Mama Howe. Mama Howe. Um, it was a village of a council lady that was in that meeting. She raised her hand and she said, I want you to come to my village and speak to my people about Jesus, about what you're here for. Um, so we drove and we drove and we got to the place and we drove until we couldn't drive anymore. Then we got out and then we hiked and climbed to the very top of the mountain. Um, there's uh, two guys that were standing on the very top of the other side of the mountain screaming and hollering. I don't know what they said but they were telling everybody to come up to the village, come up to the top of the mountain, so we're going to have a meeting. We're going to have a speaking meeting. Um, so we climbed to the top of this mountain. People started coming in all directions. I mean, all directions. 
I think there was a hundred or so that was there. So it was really cool to see that. But I want you to imagine this. Just imagine the top of a mountain, okay? Just slightly down from there, looking back up to the top. That's where we were. We sat there was a little, little uh, even place there where we, we kind of sat and taught, like looking up this way to the people. Um, it was very, very, very a good experience. Um, Stan Burleson got up first to speak a little bit and introduce us. And then Jake got up and preached his sermon. And then it was my turn. Um, I went up and I preached on Mark chapter 4 on Jesus calming the storm. Um, They're very scared of water, very scared of storm, very scared of water. And I'll tell you about that at a later time. But Jesus calming the storm because kind of calming them a little bit. But to me, this experience is something I will never forget. This day, I will never forget because when you're reading through your Bible and you go in and you find Jesus and his disciples teaching the crowds, preaching to the crowds on the side of a mountain or near rocks or anything like that, as I was sitting there and I was preaching and I was looking, I was witnessing all this, to me, it looked like I was living out a true scene in the Bible. When you read Jesus and his disciples teaching and preaching on the mountainside, it was very, very humbling. Very, uh, I, was like, I still today can't experience that. I don't know how to describe that. It was just, it was just like reading, being there, pages off the Bible. Um, it was a very good, very good time. We had a little bit of a disturbance with spiritual forces um, while we were preaching um, with a lady Sangoma, which is a witch doctor. Um, but it was resolved very quickly. Um, I don't know exactly the extent of it, but she was telling us that don't listen to them. They're trying to steal you away from our ancestors. Um, I, I think someone told her to be quiet, sit down, or, or leave if you don't want to be here. And uh, God won that battle. God won that battle, and it was, there was nothing very um, bad that happened. But afterwards, after it was all done, um, we, we broke off and we started talking to different people. Walter and Mary was talking to some people. Jake was talking to some people. And I, I looked up and I saw five or six young men that was, was just sitting there still at the top of the mountain. So I climbed up even further and I went up there and I, I, I kind of spent 15, 20 minutes talking to them. Uh, they were really, uh, we joked and laughed as much as I could joke and laugh with them. Uh, they were more laughing at me than I was laughing at them. But um, it was really cool to talk to those guys, those gentlemen. Um, they, wanted to, they wanted to come back with me to, to the States. They wanted to come to back to the States with me and so they could work and have real money and support their families and support themselves because they, they just couldn't find work. They couldn't get any work to make ends meet. Um, now, one of them drank, what is it, Dwala? Dwala, that was, that's beer. So I said, you need to quit drinking that so you can support your family. But anyway, um, it, was, it was a day that was a truly an, an experience I will never forget. Uh, the whole trip, well, I'll never forget. But that day was, was very humbling and very uh, good.
Now, on our last Sunday of our trip, this is the next following day, our last Sunday of our trip, we went back to Hamakia for another worship service, another church service. This time was a little different for me. I think it was a little different for everybody. But this time, I ended up staying outside the entire time with the kids. Uh, While Jake was in there uh, having service, they were singing songs and preaching and, and all that. I stayed outside with the kids. I told them another Bible lesson, a Bible story. This time I talked about Zacchaeus, um, how God cares about everyone, everyone, and how Zacchaeus uh, went with Jesus and received salvation from that meeting, from Zacchaeus. We, we played game after game after game after game, waiting on this church service to get over I was about running out of games. I looked over to Walter and Mama Pizza, and I was like, I- I'm out. I don't know what else to do. So she said, we'll sing some more songs. So we sang some more songs, and we played more games. Um, I was exhausted by the time that we got done with that church service. But um, it was very good to have all those kids. I enjoyed it. Uh, I even taught them within the song service. I was like, well, let's, uh, I taught you about Zacchaeus. Let me... Let me teach you about the Zacchaeus song. Uh, you know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. You know, I kind of I relate to that because I'm a wee little man. So um, I taught them the wee little man song, and they, they didn't know it first, but they caught on very quickly. Uh, they knew it. They memorized it. They memorized the motions, and they were singing it without even me saying anything. So it was good for them, for me to see that with them. Um, Go to slide number four, please. This was the children on the last Sunday. See how many's there? It doubled. I had 50 plus. Um, there's probably 50 or 51 in that picture. Uh, there were several, some to the left and some to the right of it that I didn't get a picture. There was a lot of kids that day. Um, I told them at the end of the first service, I said, look, I'm not going to promise you because I don't know what Stan and Angie's got going, but I said, hopefully we'll be back the next Sunday. I said, I want you to bring a friend. I want you to bring a friend. Guess who they brought? They brought a friend. So it was really, it was really cool to see. I, that was a lot of kids. I mean, I know I have 100 kids on Wednesday night, but that was hard to take care of in one little small, small little venue. But uh, we made it happen. Um, I had uh, tremendous help with Mama Pizzo there, and I think Jake's got a a good story to tell you about her husband. Um, but after the church service was over, some of the kids left. After we took this picture, we kind of broke up, started talking. Some of them left to go home. Some stayed and played around. And I had a group of probably 15 or 20 that stayed around me. And you see that tree right there in the, in the right corner. We kind of stayed underneath there because it was hot. We were all tired from playing. And they just bombarded me. I mean, I'm sitting there, and they're just over my shoulders, over the top of my head. And they're wondering, hey, what, what, what are you doing here? Or what's your family like? Or what's your, you know, how old are you? And you got any kids? You got any pets? So we went through. I said, okay, this will be the easiest thing I can do. So I pulled out my phone, and I went through about every picture in my phone. Okay? I showed them pictures of me, I showed them pictures of my family, places I've gone, my dog, uh, everything, snow pictures, I mean, everything. And they just, they were just, they were just engulfed with it. They just loved seeing that um, and just asked me about a million questions. 
but it was time that I spent with them, and it was great. Um, that day, after that picture was taken, after the kids left and we were trying to pack up to leave, um, I knew I wouldn't be back. So it's, if you've ever been on a mission trip and you've been around people and you've been around kids, it's kind of hard to leave. It's kind of hard to leave. But I knew, I knew in my heart and I knew in my mind that God is working in their lives. God is working in the, in the adults' lives. God is working in the missionaries that are there. They go to these people on a regular basis. But I hope and pray that I or someone can go back soon and continue God's work and, and start up where we left off. But I think my time is about up, so I want to leave you with a passage from Romans chapter 10, verse 13, 14, and 15. If you have these shirts, uh, Jake and I have one on. It's a verse that's on the, on the back of our shirts. And I'm going to leave you with this. Romans chapter 10, verse 13, 14, and 15. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on him they have not believed in? How, and how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Listen, that verse is a broad spectrum. This verse is for people across the street of your house, across the street of this church. It's for the people in your town. It's for the people in your community. It's for people in Arkansas. And yes, it's even for people that are 9,000 miles away in Lesotho, Africa. Please pray for this. Be with us as we speak to you. And be with us as we continue to think and pray about Lesotho, Africa. Thank you for listening to my story. I've got millions more to tell you, but I'm kind of out of time. But I'm going to turn it over to Jake now. Thank you. Amen. Well, I am thankful uh, that Bryson and I and Walter and Mary Norville were able to go to Lesotho. Uh, we left out January the 11th. We got back January the 24th. So we, we got to spend 10 days there in Lesotho ministering between our travel days. And I'm thankful for this church. Uh, there were a lot of folks uh, here who, uh, who gave to, to financially fund this trip, so we didn't have to worry about that. Uh, there were a lot of you praying for us, and believe me, God heard and answered those prayers in many ways. And uh, there were a lot of you that took care of my wife and my kids while I was gone. And so I appreciate all of you guys and, uh, and the love and support that you gave to us uh, throughout that time. I want to read to you a passage of Scripture this morning and share a few thoughts on these verses as well as a few thoughts from this trip. So if you have a Bible, uh, take a look at Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 37. And if you don't have a Bible with you, you can just listen and maybe uh, read the verses on the screen behind me as we go through them. Matthew chapter 9, uh, verses 35 through 37. This was a description of Jesus' ministry and really kind of in some ways mirrored the ministry that we were able to participate in Lesotho for those 10 days. The Bible says, 
Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I want to remind you of a phrase that Henry Blackaby wrote years ago in his book, Experiencing God. And I know many of you have heard this. You've heard me say it. You've heard somebody else say it. Uh, Some of you may have been through the Experiencing God study even more than once. Dr. Blackaby said this, find where God is working. And join him in his work. How many of you have heard that before? All right, good. You should all raise your hand. You've heard it now. Let me tell you one more time in case you weren't listening. Find where God is working and join him in his work. I don't know any better way or any other way to describe what Bryson and I were able to be a part of in Lesotho. We found where God was working and we just got to be a part of what he was doing for those 10 days. God is at work in and among the Basutu people, and we were blessed to be a part of that. In the verses that I just read to you, Jesus was communicating that same concept to his disciples. God's at work, and you need to join him in his work. Jesus was reaching out to people who had been forgotten. He was moved with compassion for them. Jesus was ministering to meet the needs of hurting people. They were wearied and scattered. And he was preaching and teaching the good news of salvation, the gospel of the kingdom, because they were lost sheep who just needed a good shepherd. That's what Jesus was doing. So when Jesus told his disciples in verse 37, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few, he was telling them, God is already at work. And he was calling them to join in doing God's work. What I want to share with you this morning is that God is already at work in Lesotho, among the Basotho people. Bryson and I were able to join him. I want to show you a picture of a couple of the full-time foreign missionary families currently living in Lesotho that we were able to meet on our trip. Bryson already mentioned their names to you, but here they are so you can see their faces. Stan and Angie Burleson are there on the left. They live in Cojoba uh, right now at the Bruvita Guest House. But they're getting ready to hopefully move soon to a container home on some land that they've leased that they're calling the Gathering Place. Because it won't just be where they live, it will be where Basutu believers come and are trained for ministry. And then on the right hand, uh, that's Jake and Ginger Goss and their daughter Timber, the one who taught us to spit when we talk to pronounce things correctly. They are international mission board missionaries that live in the capital city of Maseru in Lesotho. They drove up to Jojoba while we were there. You support the Goss family every week. They're IMB missionaries. And I want you to know this if you don't. You support them every week when you give your tithes and offerings because we give through the cooperative program to support them as missionaries and thousands of others like them. 
Both of these missionary families are on our church's prayer list already. But I want to encourage you to pray for them. It was amazing to see how God is using them and, and working through them in a mighty way. And these are just a couple of the families that, uh, that minister in, in Lesotho. I also want to share this thought with you this morning. Not only was God at work and has God been at work in the past in Lesotho, but God is continuing to work in Lesotho. And I want to challenge you collectively as a church to join him in his work. So this is where it's going to get fun. Are you ready? How do we do that? How do we join God in the work that he's doing among the Basutu people in Lesotho? Jesus gives us the answers in Matthew chapter 9 and in Matthew chapter 10. Look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 38. Right after he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, Jesus said this, Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. How do we join God in the work that he's doing in Lesotho? Pray. Pray. You might think it's too simple to be of any real value but this is not my idea. This is Jesus' command. I didn't say, oh man, you know what? If, if we just pray, you know, it'd be a small little thing. No. Jesus is about doing big things. When he told his disciples to pray that more laborers would go into the harvest, that was no small thing. It's time that we stop thinking about prayer as a small thing and start to understand that that's how God works from heaven is in response to the prayers we pray to him. It's a huge thing. Jesus is the one who said we should do it. He said specifically to his disciples that they needed to pray that he would call and commission more workers to be involved in his work. So let me tell you how this panned out in my own life in regard to this mission trip. I'm going to skip over several uh, divine and spiritual details when I tell you this, but I have been praying for Lesotho and the people of Lesotho since the summer of 2017 when Adam Staples and I were connected with a missionary named Jim Flora that was serving over there at the time. Some of you know this, but uh, Bryson mentioned it earlier. I attempted to go on a mission trip to Lesotho in the summer of 2018, in the summer of 2020, and even had prayed and considered about going in January, February of last year, 2022. Due to a bunch of different circumstances, I just wasn't able to go. But I was willing to go. And I was praying that God would open the door so we could go in his time. And I was praying for these people and for these missionaries. And I prayed many times for God to call and commission more missionaries to the Basutu people. In fact, we prayed in this church over the past five years for God to send more workers out into the harvest. when we prayed for these missionaries. On one specific Wednesday night in February of last year during our prayer time, we prayed in, for, in particular for Ginger Goss, uh, one of those missionaries that I showed you a picture of on the screen earlier. And we prayed that God would enable her to pass her Sasutu language exam. Do, do any of the 10, 12, 15 of you who were there in prayer meeting, do you remember praying for Ginger Goss to pass her language exam in there on Wednesday night? 
I'm seeing some head nods. You ought to raise your hand boldly and proudly, man. You're the faithful. You were in their Wednesday night prayer meeting. Man, I remember we, we spent about 20 of our 30 minutes praying that Ginger would pass this language exam. Walter and Mary were on a mission trip. They told us uh, uh, this need for her to do that, and we did. We prayed for her. And to some of us, it might have seemed like a really small matter. But on our first Sunday in Lesotho, when Bryson and I traveled up the mountain to go to worship with the church at Hamakia, the Goss family came with us, Jake and Ginger and Timber. Here's a picture of the building uh, where we met for worship at Hamakia. Nothing spectacular about it, but man, the, the Lord was at work there that day. We had a great time in worship with the believers there. Uh, Bryson told you he wasn't going to say that our worship services were bad. I, I'll just be honest with you guys. Sometimes you don't come to worship like you need to. These people came to worship, man. They were praying. They were singing. Uh, they were praising the Lord in everything that they did. And uh, if we'd learn how to do that, our church services would be a whole lot better. Amen. Good. Somebody's got it. We had a great time. I mean, we did. We sang. Um, I preached. Uh, had a wonderful time preaching to those folks. They listened. And, um, and we were able to, uh, to share with them and hear their testimonies. It was a wonderful time. After the service, we went outside and we were talking. Bryson was still playing some games with the kids and they were running around chasing him all over the place. And uh, right out next to a tree where we were standing in the shade, Ginger Goss uh, told me and Walter just in a, a casual conversation, yep, right here under this tree outside this church is where I had a breakdown moment because I didn't think I was going to pass my language exam. If I didn't pass it, we weren't going to be able to stay on the mission field. And then it was like the Lord just loosened my tongue. And I, I was able to record a conversation with a lady in Susutu to turn it in so I could pass my language exam. As she was sharing that story with us, I, just, I had this flashback in my mind of leaning over this very pulpit in the choir room and praying that she would pass her language exam so that she could continue to minister among the Basutu people. And as she's sharing that, she didn't know all of this. She shared that story with Walter and I. I couldn't stand there. I was about to lose it. I'm about to lose it now just thinking about it. I turned around. I started crying. I ended up telling her later on on the trip uh, so she could hear that story. But I'm, I'm telling you, it, it was just like in that moment, I realized that because I had prayed, God had done an amazing work. I was able to literally see how God answered our prayers for a missionary in Lesotho, Africa, from Lawrence County, Arkansas, during a Wednesday night prayer meeting. I mean, some of you come in here on Sunday mornings with an attitude of not worshiping the Lord. Some of us go into Wednesday night prayer meeting with the attitude of, well, we're, we're here, I guess we should pray. I want to tell you that Jesus told his people to pray that God would send out missionaries because he knew that God would answer that prayer. God is already at work in Lesotho, and we just need to start praying that God would send out more missionaries into the harvest fields just like Jesus told us to pray. So would you make that a matter of prayer? Pray that God would send out more laborers into the harvest in Lesotho. Would you make that prayer to the Lord? Would you make that prayer to the Lord?
We're almost there. Would you start praying that to God? Good. Here's the second thing Jesus told his disciples to do. It was skipped down to Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. Jesus had given them instructions when he sent them out to go and, and preach. And here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. He said, you heal the sick, you cleanse the lepers, you raise the dead, you cast out demons. And then he said, freely you have received, freely give. Jesus' disciples had been given the wonderful blessing of salvation by his grace. And just as they had freely received God's grace, so were they to freely give God's grace. That Jesus gave his disciples in this passage in Luke, super, or Matthew, supernatural power to do some great miracles. We have the same spiritual power these disciples had because the Holy Spirit lives in us. And though we may not cleanse lepers and raise the dead, we are still to go out and to give because we have been given. Freely you have received, freely give. This is the second thing Jesus told them to do. When Jesus taught to them about giving, I want you to pay attention. Jesus didn't say give money. When you hear the word give, that's what you think automatically. You start to go, ah, okay, I'll get my checkbook out, right? What's amazing about these instructions, if you keep reading in verse 9, is that Jesus did not expect his disciples to give out gold or silver. In fact, he told them not even to carry their, their money bags with them full of, of, uh, uh, of money. They weren't supposed to take it with them. Jesus expected and wanted them to give God's grace in abundance just as they had received it. I want to show you another picture of three guys that we met on our trip. On the left is Juan, and in the middle is his father, uh, Johan. They are Afrikaans from the Free State in South Africa. A great group of guys. They had volunteered their time. They came to cook and serve and take care of the Basutu church leaders who came to that four-day conference. Bryson had showed you all of us gathered under that tent. Uh, those two guys... Uh, along with Juan's wife, Megan, and, uh, and, and some others, cooked every meal for us, washed every dish for us, loved on us, encouraged us. They were wonderful to be around. They selflessly sacrificed to show hospitality to their Basutu brothers and sisters. And uh, hey, you know, listen, we think as Americans sometimes in the deep south that we understand racism. Man, we don't. After talking to some of the Basutu believers there and Johan, the, our, our Afrikaans brother in Christ, it is difficult to live amongst that tension. Johan had even come to the point, his father did not want to give money to missions growing up because those were for those people. We'll give our money to Bibles, we'll give our money to take care of the building, but we're not going to go to missions. Johan came to realize after reading through the New Testament no. If anything, we can stop giving money to our building and start giving money to missions. That's what we need to do. And he's lived his life so that more can come to know Christ. This guy on the right is a young Basutu man. His name is Mohana. And he is not yet a believer in Jesus. But I had the opportunity to meet him while we were setting up for the conference that was held at the Reclaim Skills Center. 
And it was later that I would get to share my story with him. And when I say my story, I want you to understand my story is an evangelism technique that the Basutu believers learn so that they can share their testimony of salvation with someone else. It's just a real quick way to say, this was my life in darkness, this is how I met Jesus, and this is my life now in the light. We were challenged during the conference to share our story with somebody. And I thought, well, man, I know I can't speak Sasutu very well at all, but I found a guy that understands some English. I'm going to share my story with him. And so I did. I'll give you what I gave to Mohana, that guy on the right. I told him when I was a boy, I walked in darkness. I lied to my parents. I fought with my brother. And I only wanted to help myself. One day, my friend named Chase told me at school that Jesus had forgiven him of all of his sins. He told me that Jesus had died on the cross for all of our sins. And that if I turned away from my sins and trusted in Jesus, then I could be forgiven of my sins too. So I turned away from my sins. And I trusted that Jesus died on the cross for me. And he forgave me. Now I live in the light. I honor my parents, I love my brother, and I care about other people more than I care about myself. And I said, Mohana, do you have a story like this? And he said, no, Ntate. And I said, okay. He said, but you should tell your friend thank you because he told you about Jesus. I said, Mohana, this is why I'm telling you about Jesus. I want to give you what my friend Chase gave me. When Jesus told his disciples, freely you have received, freely give, he's telling him to give the grace of God. That was a wonderful conversation we got to have. I'm still praying for him. And Tate Moana thanked me for sharing my story with him. He visited uh, with some other members of the mission teams that were there at the conference. And he and I were able to talk a little more um, when he... Uh, came to eat dinner with us one night. He's also visited with Stan and Angie Burleson some since we've come back stateside. So pray that Mohana would come to know Jesus. I'm praying that he turns from his sins and trusts in him only. We need to freely give God's grace to the Basutu as God's grace has been freely given to us. And then the third way Jesus told his disciples they could be involved in God's work was to go. Let's back up to Matthew chapter 10, verse 7. The verb that occurs more than any other verb in Jesus' instructions to his disciples at the beginning of Matthew chapter 10 is that two-letter word, go. It occurs in verse 5, 6, 11, and 12. But I want you to look in verse 7 with me in particular and listen to Jesus' crystal clear command. As you go... Preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You heard Bryson share the story earlier of how we were invited to go teach the Bible at Mama Howe the last Saturday of our trip. It, look, it, it was quite an experience to share the gospel with an entire village of over 100 people who other than three or four people did not make any indication that they truly knew Jesus. 
I shared the good news of Jesus with them using the Two Kingdoms Gospel presentation, talking about how Satan has us all bound in the kingdom of darkness, where we know hate, slavery, anger, and fear. But Jesus, by his death and resurrection, sets us free from the kingdom of darkness and moves us into the kingdom of light when we trust him, so that we can know love and enjoy freedom and have peace and the power of God in our lives. When we turn from our sins and trust in Jesus only for salvation, he transfers us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. I shared with them that, that simple truth. After preaching the two kingdoms gospel presentation at Mama Howe, Bryson and I then had the wonderful privilege of riding for about two and a half hours in the back, and I mean the back, of a Toyota Hilux pickup truck through a section of the Madi Bamatso Valley from Emporasani back to Hamakia, where we had visited the church on our first Sunday. And when we rode in the back of this truck, we were riding on what could, at the very best, be described as a four-wheeler trail. The very best. Between the two villages, Emporasani to Hamakia, there are around six other villages without a church without Bibles, without the gospel, without Jesus. I want to show you another picture. Stan Burleson took us to sit on a hill by the reservoir so that we could look out over that section of the valley that we had driven through. He has asked our church to pray about adopting this valley. To go here and make disciples among the Basutu. I've shared this request already with our Missions and Evangelism Committee, and I want to share it with you today. What I'm asking is that you personally pray about going. Yes, you heard me right. What I want to ask is that you personally pray about going to Lesotho to minister among the Basutu people. What I'm also going to ask you is that you as a church collectively pray about adopting this section of the Madi Bamatso Valley from Emporasani to Hamakia. What that adoption would basically entail is a three-year commitment from our church to send three mission teams of three to four people per year in 2024, 25, and 26. On those trips, we would partner with Basutu churches and believers to take the gospel to those villages in the Madi Bamatso Valley with the goal of making disciples of Jesus and seeing healthy churches established. Uh, tonight at the business meeting, before we talk about our youth building proposal, I'm going to make a motion to this effect, and I, I want to share with you this motion so you, so you can know what I'm going to talk about, because I know all of you are going to be back for business meeting tonight, right? Good. There should be more of you that said right. This motion is going to be this, that we authorize our missions and evangelism committee to prayerfully consider and explore the commitment of adopting the Madi Bamatso Valley from Emporasani to Hamakia and to share their recommendation with the church 
during the next quarterly business meeting in May. I'm not asking you to adopt it today or tonight. I'm asking you to pray over the next few months. I'm asking our Missions and Evangelism Committee to explore this and to share back with the church. And remember, I'm asking you to pray about going. You say, Jake, you don't understand. I don't, but Jesus is the one who said go. So if you want to tell him no, you can. But here's what I've found. If Jesus says go, and you say yes, no matter what, he will be with you. And he'll be at work before you. The Lord has given us the command to go and to make disciples of all the nations. That means we need to go to our neighbors in Lawrence County, Arkansas, and that we need to go to the nations like Lesotho. Sunday, January the 22nd, was our last ministry day in Lesotho on our trip. We went back to the church at Hamakia to worship with the believers. Bryson played games outside. Man, they played, and they had a ton of fun. I got to preach from Matthew chapter 6 about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. After the worship service, one of the faithful disciples in this little congregation, whose name is Mama Pizzo, you saw her in that picture Bryson showed you. She had a yellow dress and a yellow hat on. She told me that there were more people that were there at church that day that had come to know Jesus and who wanted to be baptized. The pastor that this church had had has moved to South Africa to go find work. The other baptized men in their congregation has moved to South Africa to go find work. And they needed someone to baptize these new believers. One of these people that Mama Pizzo told me had come to know Jesus and who wanted to be baptized was her husband, Intate Johanne. I think I've shared his story with some of you guys already. After church, Intate Johanne and I talked together for a few minutes, and I asked him to share his story with me about how he was in darkness, how he met Jesus, and what's his life like now in the light. And it was a beautiful story, a transformation. The, the translator told me that he said, I do not have a long story to tell. But I did not want to come to church. I was tired of my wife telling me about Jesus. I was not doing good. But I have come to trust in Jesus only. It was me who woke up our daughters this morning, got them dressed, and brought them to church. So we loaded back up in that Toyota Hilux, and you should have seen it. I don't know how 15 grown Basutu adults fit into the back of that truck with two coolers and a camper top, but they did. And we drove down to the reservoir and they were singing the whole way down about how they had turned away from their sins and how Jesus had saved them. And we drove down to the reservoir where we had overlooked the day before in this picture and here's what happened. Believed in Jesus. Amen. We are going to baptize him as a symbol of his belief that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried, and that he rose again. 
symbol that Jesus has changed his life. He was in darkness. Jesus saved him from his sins. Jesus has brought him into the light. share with you what happened after was even more amazing than that. The other two ladies who had come to know Jesus and were awaiting baptism came down into the water. And I said, Entate Johanna, here's how you baptize someone. And he baptized those ladies. God is at work among the Basutu people. I believe he wants us to join him in that work. Would you pray about going? Would you as a church pray about adopting that valley? Would you pray for our missions and evangelism committee as maybe they'll have the opportunity to explore that possibility? Where to pray, where to give, and where to go. <laughs> 